What's up, world? Welcome to another Ankle Biters podcast where we talk college football from a college fantasy football perspective. I am your host, Tony, also known as Farnsworth, and I'm joined by my man, 100 Grand Owens. What's going on, man? How you doing, brother? You sound like you're feeling a little down and out. You got some rainy weather going on over there with you. Brother, we're here in oh, pain. Man, what's up? Back huh? is out. Back is out. Got to go see my chiropractor and doctor tomorrow. Do I need to come pop it for you? No, I don't need, I your, do kind of, I don't, I don't need your kind of popping. You, you can keep that. <laughs> really? It won't hurt too keep, much. You can keep that kind of popping over there with you. Keep it with me? Man, that's mm-hmm. messed up. I thought we was boys, man. I thought we went back like this tires on a Cadillac. Come on, man. That's the reason why you can keep it, because we boys. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, that's, that's, that's what's up. That's what's up. I'm excited, though, man. Even though you're in a little pain, I'm excited. We continue with special guest month, and we've got one of the, if not the, I'm going to go ahead and say the fastest growing account and voice in the CFF industry right now. We've got our guy, Jared Palmgren. We're welcoming him to the show. Jared, chasing the natty. PTN, he's got the pod. He's got everything you need with the work he's putting out. He's with the guys over there at Campus Can. What's going on, bro? Uh, man, you're making me blush over here, all right? I wasn't expecting all this fawning and praising over here. Uh, guys, <laughs> it is it is great to be back on the show and everything. I had a blast when me and Xavier came on this last year. And again, I, I the, the moment you said that you wanted me back on again this year, I hopped right on and said, heck yeah, I'm coming back on. This is this is a great show to come on every every year. You guys are awesome. This is wonderful, man. Shout out to Xavier. Hope all is well yes, yes, with him. Yes. We had a blast last year. So much fun. Um, yes, yeah, man. Jared, Jared Pongren, whom I took the liberty of calling JP. I don't even know if he likes it or not. I just started calling him JP. I don't even know if he likes it. (laughs) It's one of those nicknames that like some people kind of just put on me every once in a while. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of down with it. Actually, my family, if you want to know a nickname for me, that is like something that they've said before. Uh, JC, when I was really young was some, because my middle name's Charles. So people call me JC or my mom would call me JC every once in a while. But like JP, like it's it's a nickname that especially if there's another Jared already in attendance, that's like something that people kind of hop on. It's like, all right, JP. I'm like, okay, cool. Totally Works out understand. For me. Totally understand, man. So glad to have you on. Look, guys, we had a wonderful week of college football this past week, as we so normally do. I mean, it's 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 a theme. That's why we love this. That's why we're here. That's why right. we have these podcasts. That's why we have these leagues because everything that comes with college football. Now, I must admit, this past week was not – it was – the previous weeks had set such a standard as far as the excitement that it brought to us, the anticipation, and everything that surrounded those games and the narratives of those games. This particular week was a little bit – I don't want to say watered down, but it wasn't as – heavily exciting as the previous weeks of again i'll take any college football over no college football any day right i think it was just different the matchups were different in cff and (coughs) excuse me a lot of weird things happened yesterday i didn't have a good day as far as my leagues across the board i didn't you had a lot a lot of guys that that we were banking on to show up didn't show up. How'd, how how'd your guys' weekend go? So I think this weekend was like the the week where we could all kind of catch our breath a little bit. Because like you said, the past couple of weeks have just been insane with some of the matchups, especially last week with Alabama, Tennessee, um, Oklahoma State, TCU, um, Utah, USC. Like there were just so it was just back to back, epic clash after epic clash. Every almost every ranked v ranked matchup really lived up to its billing this week we had a lot of ranked v ranked matchups but like the game just felt a little calmer it was like you kind of went through your day a little bit like slower and everything there wasn't quite as much emotional expense going on uh but i kind of i i still kind of enjoyed that again my bulldogs were off this week so it was nice for me to have 
a day where I could walk into it and there's just be no stress about it. I don't have to worry about how my team performs in the back of my mind or anything. I could just watch a day of football. Now I'm with you Farnsworth and the fact that I had a very, I, I think I had my roughest fantasy week of the year so far last week. I think I went two for seven in my leagues in terms of win losses. It was, it was a very, very rough week. Had a lot of teams just completely bottom out. Absolutely. Owens, man, how'd your week go? Uh, it was horrible. Yeah. It was horrible, just like y'all. <laughs> I mean, you got you got um, scrambling. You don't know if Luke Nichols is gonna play. They ain't said a mm-hmm. word. You know, you know, I had Evans Evans in the game, and he didn't even play. They ain't say a word. Why he gonna play? You know. Then you have the backup Luke's uh, for Nichols, and then he gets hurt in the first first what first quarter, second quarter, early in the game. First quarter. Eight injuries was all over the place and no uh, players not showing up. You don't know why they ain't playing. It was just all kind of stuff going on. You know, top receivers not getting the catches that they normally do. Corners backs not throwing like the yardage that they normally throw for. It was just, it was weird and underwhelming. And yeah, all that stuff added up. It, it equals a loss. So just losses. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, just not a good weekend overall for any of us. Uh, uh, somebody had a good weekend somewhere because oh, yeah. if all of us are having bad weekends, somebody had a good weekend Probably. somewhere. I'd be interested to see. I would bet JD Yankee had a great weekend. Just, just off the top of my head, he probably had a good weekend. I hope <laughs> maybe so, but I know it wasn't this guy right here, man. But mm. speaking about the weekend that 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 you know that we all experienced. Week 8 recap, we got Syracuse and Clemson. This was a big game last week when the uh, we, we, we talked about it on the pod last week and we saw that it was a 12-point spread. That was mind-boggling to me. I had no idea how Vegas came up with a 12-point spread. I could not see that if yeah. I had on bifocals. I don't know what they were looking at. But when, when, when we revealed that last week, it was shocking to me to hear Clemson by 12 and a half. I I mean, I don't know where they got it from. Right. I, I still got, don't know where they got it from. They got Bro. it right in my mind. 12 Clemson, and a half? No so here, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I agree with you. Last week I would have said, wow, that's way too big. And yeah, in hindsight, at the end of the day, the, the spread was less than 12 points. But you got to remember, Vegas does not account for turnovers in their numbers. Clemson turned the ball over four times in this game. And I believe, if I remember correctly, Syracuse only turned the ball over once. Yes. Each one of those turnovers basically is about a three to four point swing in that spread. So if you are talking about four turnovers on the Clemson side and then one turnover on Syracuse side, again, I can't remember if Syracuse turned the ball over or not. Um, So let's say it's a plus three turnover margin towards Syracuse, that's a 9 to 12 point swing away from Clemson. And Clemson won this game by what? 6 points? Yeah. So that they, technically according to Vegas, had there been no turnovers, that would have been a 15 point game and Clemson would have covered the spread pretty easily there. So just a little mm-hmm. insight there in terms of how how these betting spreads are are created right. they're they're, they're right. put into right. mind without any turnovers. But also there was somebody making you turn it over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. DJU. Right. Yeah. <laughs> DJU, who looked DJ like, a, again, we were talking before we come on about how Bo Nix looks transformed and um, Garrett Schrader looks transformed. You could have, before this game, thrown DJU into the same box, into the same category as quarterbacks who look transformed, again, before this game. But Syracuse had been playing good defense all season. Right. Mm-hmm. They've been playing good defense all season. That's why I didn't see the 12-and-a-half-point spread because they have been playing good defense all season. Will Shipley, I mean, with the with the go-ahead touchdown, what, 50 yards there in the fourth quarter, lit it up right there. Sean Tucker did exactly what I thought that he would do. I yeah. actually thought that Syracuse would bottle up Will Shipley, but not so. No dice right there. Phil Moffa kind of getting off to – uh, 18 carries, 94 yards, and a touchdown. They really didn't need DJU to do a whole lot running the ball like they did. Klubnik did get in there. Um, Dabo is being Dabo. Mm-hmm. You know, his comments is DJU's our quarterback. <laughs> so that's that. Should but let's Dabo. 
listen, if you're a quarterback, that's what you want to hear. Yep. Yeah. That's what you want to hear because that right there sustains his confidence. Owens, what do you think about this game? Um, it it was it was a good game. Um, I thought that it went pretty much how I thought it was gonna go. Um, it wasn't necessarily a shootout, but um I thought it was actually gonna be lower, a little bit lower scoring than what it actually came out to be. Um, I thought I picked what I picked last week, like 17 to 14, something like that. But um, yeah, like you said, Syracuse had been playing really good defense all year long and as, as well as Clemson. And so that's why I thought it was going to be a low scoring game. I sat both Will Shipley and Tucker in my, in both my leagues. So um, yeah, man, um, I was shocked at what Shipley did to <laughs> Syracuse. That was a shock, shock to me. Um, but yeah, man. He got the win, bro. But like DJU, man, he's struggling. I don't see how he can move forward as the starter, but I don't know. We'll see, man. That that will got confidence in him. So maybe he, hopefully he can bounce back and you know show a little something. We'll see. Absolutely. Moving right along, Texas, Oklahoma State, guys. This game looked like a runaway in the first mm. quarter. Not first quarter, first half, excuse me, with Texas uh beating OU or uh, OSU like a drum. They're uh, 31 24, something like that. In the uh, was it was it 31 24? I think uh, it was 31 24 in the first half, right? First but half. it looked worse, it looked worse, it looked worse than that in the first half. But yeah. Oklahoma State comes to play in the second half, holding Texas this Texas offense to three points in the second half, doing their thing in the fourth quarter. B. John Robinson is that dude, but also Oklahoma State's defense surprising. I mean, they picked the right time to show up this year because I thought their defensive prowess and ability left when Jim Knowles went to Columbus, Ohio, mm -hmm. because they, they looked completely different all year long. Quinn Ewers, um, he's got a lot to learn. You can tell the kid is still young, very talented, very, very talented arm, but some bad decisions down the stretch. Guys, what do you think about this game? So I want to give credit to Oklahoma State's defense as much as I can. However, I do have to say a lot of this game boiled down to something happened with viewers in that second half. It was he was doing pretty well throughout most of that first half. Um, again, I, I played the over on his fantasy points in prize picks and everything. He was set at 19 and a half fantasy points. He was at 14 and a half by halftime. And I'm like, all righty, this game keeps going the way that it's going. He's going to hit that with ease. And it's just but nothing in the second half. He throws, I believe, three interceptions in the second half. He is constantly overthrowing his receivers. Just something was very off with viewers. And again, Oklahoma State's defense, I want to give you credit, but let's be real. If viewers was on target just a few more times, that game probably would have been out of hand. So I agree. I definitely agree. I don't know if it was an injury that he was high, trying to hide or what, but yeah, he's definitely throwing. Uh, he's definitely overthrowing his receivers. I mean, like it wasn't even close. <laughs> it was like his throws was like unbelievable. Like yours, bro. You look like a rookie. You do. Thirty-eight point eight percent complete. Yeah, I was just about to say nineteen yeah. for forty-nine. Yeah, yeah it was. Just, it, it, was it was a terrible, terrible day for years. Again, especially that second half. I, I, at one point, I think they said that like out of his last nineteen passes, he completed seven of them. Ooh, Worthy was Ooh. open a bunch, and he kept he overthrowing him. He kept overthrowing him over, oh. over and over again. I know a lot of people who started Worthy this past weekend who were just kicking and screaming that entire second half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt, man. That game was crazy. Um, again, I was shocked that the defense that Oklahoma State played, the adjustments that Mike Gundy made in the second half, or whoever made the adjustments. I don't know who made the adjustments. Somebody made some adjustments, and those adjustments worked. Those adjustments yes, worked, did. and Oklahoma State squeaks out a win. Remains number 11 in the country as of right now. And on to the next UCLA in Oregon. This game did not go anything like I thought it would go. I no. thought that UCLA would show up and play physical, tough football like they did against Utah. Yeah, But Oregon, listen, maybe Georgia is just that. Freaking good. And we've got a Georgia homer right here. I'm sure he's right. willing to tell us 
all the details about how good the Bulldogs are because they beat the brakes off of Oregon in week one. And now Oregon <laughs> comes in here to UCLA, who looked, I mean, phenomenal on the right. year, aside from the South Alabama game where they kind of struggled, looked like they could have lost that game right. earlier in the year. But right. they come in here. Oregon does and takes care of business. Charbonnet does his thing, but still, man, this was, I mean, this was crazy, guys. Help me out here. What are we looking at? Domination, man. It was, it was, it was dominated. Dominated by Oregon. It wasn't even, wasn't even close. I mean, the second quarter was just like, all right, you know, UCLA, we just supposed to go ahead and pour it on, get this lead. And just basically take you get take your will away from you. I mean, that's what it looked like. Um, look at the DTR man, his facial expressions, man. It was just like they beat the will out of him because it wasn't nothing that UCLA could do to stop Oregon. Like everything they did, everything they tried, I mean, just worked. And it's like, man, third down and whatever. And it's like, Bo Nick's like, all right, I'm hitting my running back out the backfield. And it's just like, oh my gosh, what a dart on target. Like, man, down the sideline, he's like. Bro, what you, what can you do? Like, I I like I said, I thought it was gonna be a way better game than this. I actually thought UCLA was gonna pull out the win, but wow, Ducks Jared, proved me wrong. Troy Franklin, yes sir. Yeah, and Troy Franklin, eight, eight, 10 targets in this game, eight receptions, one hundred thirty two yards, and two touchdowns. In my opinion, he is probably the biggest waiver wire pickup you can probably pick up off of this week. Not only just because of the volume that he is getting. Go and watch Franklin's performance in this game. There is a chemistry that he is building up with Bo Nix to where he was making catches in this game that you can't make unless you are just a completely in sync with your quarterback. There was an absolute bomb that Bo Nix threw in the second quarter that it was a perfect touch, perfect placement knew exactly where to put it. Troy Franklin knew exactly where it was going to be. There was nothing UCLA could do about it. I think that's going to continue down the line. Troy Franklin, I think, is going to be an absolute monster moving forward. Again, like like Owens touched on, Oregon played a, on offense, played, I, I would say, a darn near perfect game. Like what Georgia did to Oregon on offense is what Oregon just did to UCLA. Now, UCLA was able to put up some more points, obviously, than Oregon was able to put up on Georgia. But regardless, like, it was one of those games that the moment you saw Oregon after a couple of drives on offense, you knew this game was never going to be UCLA's. You knew they were not stopping the Ducks at all this game. Everything was in sync. No doubt about it. The good news is, though, for us CFF fans, everybody that we expected to do well at UCLA did pretty well. DTR, mediocre day, but Zach Charbonnet did his thing. Jake Bobo, I started him yeah. in a spot start in a couple of leagues, and he did me well. Yeah, that meant the the wow moment for Oregon, how Oregon looked, came real early. Mm -hmm. Like you said, you knew real early, like, wait a minute. These are two different teams right here. Mm -hmm. I thought UCLA had gotten to that point, but Oregon made me think otherwise. They made mm -hmm. me think otherwise. I mean, we were talking about um, passing percentage in this last game with Quinn Ewers. Look at Bo Nix, 22 for 28. Yep. 283 and five. Yep. Mm -hmm. Bo Nix. He got that offense under control, man. I heard the I heard the uh the uh broadcaster say that the coach actually did absolutely trust him to when he to, to audible, you know, change the play, call him, call whatever, you know, do whatever he wanna do with this offense. He got that much confidence in Bo Nix. And you can see it. Like, I mean, Bo Nix is he got this offense in control. And yeah. And when you and when you look at UCLA stats as Jared just brought up, you wouldn't think just not watching the game, but just looking at the stats on paper, you would think that they get they didn't get dominated the way that they did. They made this game closer than what it really was. Oh yeah, in the fourth quarter, this game was not that close. Right. Oregon looked like the far dominant team, and they. I mean, I know USC's there with Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams in that offense. But Oregon start to insert themselves as, hey, listen, we're the team to beat. We always were. I know right. you fell in love with the with the with the newcomer and the darling and 
Lincoln Riley USC is is on the rise and are they back and Oregon's making a case, man. I thought UCLA was making that case. Yeah. Yep. I think Orange, uh, Oregon made that case in this game, and I think it was loud and clear for a lot of people to hear. Hey, shout out to Dan Lanning, man. Yeah. Dan Lanning. Yeah, man. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. K-State, TCU. Another wild game. TCU, I don't know if they were sleepwalking. A what through this game, but K State jumps out, and I thought, oh my goodness, right? K State mm-hmm. is that team. K State is for real. And then TCU is almost like somebody shrugged them and said, "Hey, wake up, wake up! You're in a football game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, in a football game." And next thing you know, I don't know. I saw I saw a post today about how. TCU's been knocking out all of these starting quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Much, I'm Uh-oh. not sure how much that has to do with this, Uh-oh. but I kind of looked at the tweet and I thought, this is interesting <laughs> because they knocked out a lot of starting quarterbacks this year. I think it was like five different teams. Holy crap! Actually, I'm I'm looking at it. I think they knocked out the the quarterback out of Colorado. Uh-huh. They knocked out Dylan Gabriel. They knocked yep. out Jalen Daniels. Yep. They knocked out or they 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 hobbled Spencer Sanders, and then they uh-huh. just took out Adrian Martinez. Yeah, that's actually kind of crazy. I didn't think about that. Yes, I saw wow. that tweet. And I saw, this is interesting. Again, is I don't know. The weight of that in this game, but Will Howard didn't look too bad. 13 of 20, 225, two touchdowns, did throw a pick. Deuce Vaughn didn't look like Deuce Vaughn. Was that TCU or was that a result of the offense? Adrian Martinez only threw two passes in this game, only had one carry in this game, so his fingerprint is not really on this game anywhere. Kendra Miller was a beast in this freaking game. He was a freaking beast in this game, but TCU having enough to pull out the win and, and remain undefeated. This is shocking to me. This is really shocking to me. Guys, help me out here. I, I think you're kind of underselling Deuce Vaughn's performance in this game. And he had a, he had a pretty good day and he finally got a touchdown. Good God. The Adrian Martinez was an absolute <laughs> selfish. I don't, I almost said a bad word. I don't know how, I don't know how, how, how language works on this pod, but like, uh, he's been a selfish person uh, for that offense in terms of taking all the touchdowns away from Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn has been way less valuable for CFF this year because I knew that there was going to be some vulturing going on. I didn't think it was going to be this bad. Um, oh, and I'm trying. I'm trying to pull up the game stats real quick here. Um, and then, uh, yeah, again, it really he's was, got four what's, touchdowns what's on the year. Four touchdowns on the year. Finally was able to get one. And even still, even when they were down there close and everything at the goal line, he didn't get that goal line touchdown. It was Will Howard for one yard because, of course, no matter who it is, Deuce Vaughn (laughs) will be deprived of his touchdowns. But, again, he had a pretty good day. 12 12 carries, uh, four catches, so 16 touches, got over 100 yards on the day. So pretty good day, a much better day than we're used to from Deuce Vaughn recently. He had been on a four-game drought. Yeah, as far mm-hmm. as touchdowns, so he was desert dry. <laughs> he was desert dry when it comes to touchdowns. This guy was starving for a touchdown, and he finally got him one. Finally got him. Finally one. Got it, him it, one. All, all it took was like a all it took was like a forty-seven yard touchdown. Yeah, he basically, he, he basically said like, I know that you're going to take this away from me if we're anywhere within the thirty yard line. So I'm just going to go ahead and take this right now. I'm gonna have to right. do it from way out here. Only what you say, sir. Man, TCU is that team, man. They look for real. Um, I think they got a Big 12 championship uh, coming their way. I don't see nobody knocking them off. You know, Kansas was that team. They lost their starting quarterback. They lost hope. It seemed like they hope went with him. You know, as soon as Jaden Dane went down, it seemed like Kansas, they hope went with him. So, um, and like I said, Oklahoma State, um, no. I'm not. I'm not taking them. I think TCU is going to win the Big Twelve. Um, their offense looks looks really good. Their defense looks good. Uh, so we'll see, man. How far they can go. Yeah, 
maybe they get a rematch with Oklahoma State, that three-point loss that they uh, suffered at the hands of TCU earlier this year. But Ole Miss and LSU, Ole Miss coming into this game undefeated with a running game that was superb with uh, Zach Evans and super freshman Quinshawn Judkins, who I absolutely love. Jackson Dart seemed to find himself a little bit in this game, but LSU, the Bayou Bengals, just a little bit too much for Lane Kiffin and his crew in this game. Jaden Daniels looked really, really good. He runs funny to me. <laughs> when he takes off running, his elbows, and because he's so small. I would say he's a short, skinny quarterback. That's why it looks so yeah, funny. He's like six o'clock because he's straight up and down. <laughs> So he's like six o'clock. He's like, he's like a stick man running. And it just yeah. looks funny to me. But the guy did get it done, man. He looked really, really good in this game. I mean, I thought that this would be a better game than what it was. LSU, again, asserting their dominance later on as the game went on. The athletes on the defensive side of the football. Because LSU has had a pretty decent defense all year. It has been Brian Kelly and what he's doing with this offense that has been kind of, you know, teeter-tottering with this offense or with this team's uh, success. So, having said that, guys, how do you see this game between LSU and Ole Miss? I think, to me, it proved that when LSU is on, they are definitely one of the most feared teams in the country to face this year, at least, and especially at home, which this game was. I called a couple of weeks ago that LSU was going to upset Tennessee in Death Valley when Tennessee came to visit there. I was epically wrong on that. But this game proved to me that had LSU been in sync in that game, had they um, had they lived up to their potential, that easily could have been a game between them and Tennessee. Uh, again, a couple of things went wrong there. They're missing the starting left tackle. Jane Daniels is going to run the ball effectively. But again, we, we see here, Jane Daniels has the ability to absolutely just take over a game. And he did that against a old Miss team that I think a lot of people now realize probably their undefeated record definitely warranted them being in the top 10, but they're not a top 10 team in the country. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Jaden Daniels, me, man, I was, I was shocked, man. Uh, he took this game over. LSU, bro, they making some noise, man. I, I, I'm interested to see, man, how far, or let me put it like this way. What they schedule look like? Let me see. Let me see what they schedule look like. Because I want to know how, what, how, if they are, if they can, well, no, they got Alabama next week. So that's a yeah. that's an interesting game. See, Alabama's not the same Alabama team that we used to. Well, they got a bye week. To. So, so they uh, both got bye weeks. Yeah. And then yeah, they so come back. November, it's the 11th. I mean, uh, November 5th. They right. got, that's where they play Alabama. Yeah. Uh, outside of that game, they're going to beat Arkansas. They're going to beat UAB. They're going to beat Texas A&M. So uh, if they can beat Alabama, they can pull that upset off. They're not the going to do that. You don't think so? <laughs> no. <laughs> They're not going to do that. They're not going to stop do right that. there. <laughs> just stop it. Just stop. That's not going to happen. <laughs> That's All not right. going to happen. All right. No. No. I mean, Nick Saban's coming off a of bye week, too. No, sir. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Listen, love what they're doing, but Nick Saban's coming off a of bye week. No. No. <laughs> and he's got a he's got a West or oh, uh, SEC West Division Championship in his sights too. Oh yeah, nah, not gonna happen. All right. No, not gonna happen. So that's that. Week nine preview, guys. We've got some wonderful games. A nice mm-hmm. slate ahead of us this week, namely Ohio State, Penn State. Penn State looked really good against Minnesota. Minnesota's got a good defense, but they were without their starting quarterback, Tanner Morgan. Um, Mo Ibrahim did what Mo Ibrahim does against anybody because Penn State has a decent defense. They get a different beast this week, a different monster, a different breed of cat, if you will. And the Buckeyes, who get Jackson Smith and Jiggle back, who's a 
a complete disappointment for a lot of people. I understand why, but the guy's been injured, so I don't know that you can label him as a disappointment because he hadn't had any production on the field for you to be disappointed in. That's just my opinion. But Ohio State, Penn State, does James Franklin get this thing done? No. 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 Uh, again, just in, just recent history between these two teams. There's definitely been some surprises in terms of when Penn State's been able to catch off or catch Ohio State off guard. I just don't see it this year. We've seen what Penn State looks like when they go up against and uh, like a one of the upper echelon Big Ten teams in Michigan already this year. They got absolutely skull drugged by to the tune of about 412 rushing yards. Ohio State. Not only can run the ball on you with uh, with Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson, but they, again, they got every receiving weapon under the sun. I think it's going to be way too much for Penn State to handle. I am starting every one of my Buckeyes this week without question. I cannot say the same about the Penn State players. This is an early game, too. 11 a.m. kickoff. Um, I, I wonder if all Fox. Truth I, yeah, Fox does this kind of stuff. Um I wonder if the Singleton truthers are going to be truthers this week. You know, no, I, I, I think again, I, I took Singleton first overall in some of my leagues in terms of dynasty and everything. And well, that was a supplemental draft though, right? Yeah. Supplemental. Yeah. yeah supplemental. Understood. But it, understood. So like I, I took him with the expectation that he could be the number one back for Penn state this week or this year. But this is the kind of matchup that I still probably would have sat him down, even if he was already working, like doing well this year. Again, Ohio State, they hired Jim Knowles. We talked about him already with the Oklahoma State's defense. They're looking much improved this year. They're one of the better defenses in the country right now. And with them already splitting that backfield, ain't no way I would start Singleton in this game. C.J. Stroud is averaging four touchdowns a game. Passing touchdowns. He has 28 touchdowns through seven games. How many does he get this week, Owens? Another four or more. I, I think <laughs> I think I think Ohio, I think Ohio State had just faced their best defense they're gonna see for the rest of the season. Iowa? In, in Iowa. I think that was the really? that was their best test. Yes, I do. I don't think no other defense. It's going to present them because I mean they they you don't think so, Jared? You disagree? No, I disagree. Yeah. I think Michigan will be the the defense that that uh, pushes nope. the most. I don't think so, man. I think I think struggle light Michigan up. They bothered their run game a lot this past week. They could not run the ball. Yeah, oh, they, I, could, they run could not yeah. run the ball. They couldn't run the ball, but they just got too many weapons in the. But still, Michigan, though, man, that's a, that's a good argument right there, man. That well, debate. That's a good conversation, man. Because Michigan, so. go ahead, on one score. I think CJ Stroud. I think he's gonna light Michigan up, man. I do. I, I just do. If 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 Ohio can argue with that. If Ohio State, if and this is a, this is a big if, if they can contain the run game of Michigan, I don't see Michigan. I don't see there's nothing else Michigan can do. There would be there, there would be nothing else Michigan could do to keep up. What'd you say? That's the thing. I don't know if they can. I think That's Michigan the, I'm just, gonna run the ball on everybody. Well, I mean, I understand. I'm just saying, I'm just saying if they if they can contain it a little bit, there's no there's no way Michigan can keep up with Ohio State at all. I don't know. Michigan two, two, ran three. for a half mile on them last year. Two or three, two or yeah. three stops. It's on Haskins and five touchdowns last year. They did, yeah. They, they, yes, they did. They did. Two or three stops. Is the game is over? It's just a blowout. I'm just saying, because um, I don't see. I just don't see them stopping. I don't know if it's a blowout with two or three stops. I think Michigan is good enough to get two or three stops against Ohio State. And even so, like that's not even the argument we're having here. You're 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 making it sound like I'm I'm picking Michigan to beat Ohio State. That's not what I'm saying. I'm I'm just saying saying that I think it's they'll be the better the best defense that Ohio State will play, including Iowa this year. Yeah, I mean Iowa Iowa got what they had like two or three stops this week, and look at the score. But look at what Iowa was able to do against Ohio State's running game. I think if Michigan if Michigan does that, 
it's going to be a long day for Ohio State. So you're saying if Michigan take away their run game, it's going to be a long day. It's going to be a long day for Ohio yeah, it's State. Too, there's too many weapons, man. Them receivers can get open, man. I don't care who out there. They're going to get Yeah, open. but Jay, I mean, they, JSN, they, they, they had Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and JSN last year as well. It's not like that. They, it's not like Ohio better. State's coming in with a, a jump up in receiving talent this year. I'm just saying. Now, you can argue with me and say that, well, Michigan doesn't have an Aiden Hutchinson this year. They don't have a David Ojabo this year. Right. That's fair. Right. I can right. I can understand that, and I, and I can I can give you that that is a big part of that defense that is now gone. Mm-hmm. I am just saying that, in my opinion, you need a certain level of talent in order to take down an, an offense as prolific as Ohio State's is. Iowa mm-hmm. does not have that talent. They have good coaching. They have good scheme. But at the end of the day, you got to have that talent. And I think Michigan has both the talent and the scheme to at least slow down that Ohio State offense more than anybody else can this year. Now, okay. can Michigan put up the points? We'll see. Okay. Good argument. Yeah. I think I think the recipe that they used last year, I think they they do everything in their power to mimic that this year. Run the ball, kind of hold that sucker control the clock and keep that high powered offense on the sideline because they bust Ohio state in the mouth last year, man. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. They popped them in the mouth and they kept doing it over and over again. They still have that type of mentality mm-hmm. when you see how they play football this year for them to treat Penn state like they did last week or the week before last 400 and what Jared? Rushing 412 yards. rushing yards. 412. Dude, I understand Jim Knowles is there, but you can't overlook 412 against a good Penn State defense. I would say Penn State was fifth in the country in rushing yards allowed going into that game. I can't overlook that. And they manhandled them. I'm talking about manhandled yeah. them. Yep. And I think Jim Harbaugh is like, if they're if 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 they're averaging four to five yards a carry, you can hang it up because they're just going to yep. control the clock. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're just going to control wow. the clock. But that's weeks on down the line. I was saying, like we 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 talked about a game that's far <laughs> down the line here. <laughs> that's weeks on down the line. We got to get back on track. Kentucky, Tennessee. Kentucky comes in here. Mark Stoops has a defense that you always have to recognize, and you always have to be aware of when going into these games, especially if you are college fantasy football playing like we are, you want to be aware of the defense that, he, that he's putting out on the field. Uh, Hendon Hooker and those guys, does Cedric, Cedric Tillman come back this week and play against the Wildcats? Um, I think he does because I think he was close this past week. They didn't need him against Tennessee Martin. So I think he comes back this week, but this is a good game. This is a sneaky good game. Does Tennessee render uh, any type of CFF relevancy to C Rod, who seems? I mean, the guys has. I mean, the guy has fresh legs. He hadn't played in I don't know how long. But he came <laughs> back. You know what I mean? So he's got some fresh legs. Uh, Will Levis, what's the issue there? And so you've got the situation right here. Um, this SEC East, Jared, you're an SEC East pro with your Georgia Bulldogs over there. You've got deep insight on that side of the SEC conference or SEC as whole, as a whole, that is. What do you think, sir, about this game between between the Wildcats and the Vols? This game entirely comes down to what kind of program and what kind of mentality Heupel has instilled into his team because very commonly you'll see with a lot of these teams that get hot, a lot of things seem to be coming together. They're the ones that are susceptible to the look ahead games. They're the ones susceptible to already. We can like, we can take care of this because they haven't been in this spot before. We need to slay that giant next week. Tennessee plays Georgia next week. They're, if you don't think that they don't have that at least partially on their mind, you're probably kidding yourself. Now, I could be wrong. If Heupel has instilled a good program here and has these guys focusing on one week at a time, one opponent at a time, 
they should have no problem taking care of Kentucky here. However, if they are worried about that Georgia game, if that is where that locker room's headspace is at, this game could be trouble real quick because Kentucky, we've seen already this year, they took down a pretty good Mississippi State team. And I, th- mm-hmm. I still think Mississippi State's a pretty good team. When they get right, and especially now they can run the ball effectively because they got Chris, they got C-Rod back, and you got a healthy Will Levis that has a plethora of weapons in Robinson, in Key, in Barry and Brown. This game could get very interesting very quickly, but again, it is all dependent on what, where is the headspace of the Tennessee roster. If I had to guess, I'm going to guess the worst case scenario in that Tennessee is fully prepared for this game. They take care of Kentucky easy. Man, this is the perfect spot for Kentucky, though. Mm. I mean, with Georgia, this is the perfect spot for Kentucky to come in there and play knock down, drag out, sloppy, dirty football. (laughs) Keep it low scoring game, just just drag it out, win with a field goal with with 30 seconds left in the game. (laughs) <laughs> big if though. big if <laughs> yeah yeah it's a trap game man for Tennessee man it's 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 a trap game I think they'll still pull it off but man my eyes gonna be on this game man this weekend I mean but think about it they beat Alabama already mm-hmm. and they've got Georgia the week after Kentucky mm-hmm. mm. they got to be thinking that if we can get past Georgia, if we can get past Georgia, mm-hmm. they've got Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. If we can get past Georgia, if we can get past Georgia. Well, that's home Kentucky, free. That's home free, right basically. There. That's home free right there. Yeah. Kentucky, wow. this is the perfect spot. This is the perfect setup for Mike Stoops, Wildcats right there. It's going to be very interesting to see. I can't wait till that game comes on. Listen, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Oklahoma State coming off this uh, emotional win against Mm -hmm. Texas at home, K-State coming off what they thought should have been a loss against TCU, of course, to get the quarterback knocked out. I don't know his status as of now. Maybe Jared has more information on that. But this is going to be a doozy in the Big 12. Pokes versus another team that – that is the Wildcats. Listen, this right here, this this game has a lot riding on it right here. This game has a lot riding on it right here because both of these teams were in the position, were in the position for an appearance at the Big 12 Championship. TCU, you can probably go ahead and pencil them in there. They've already played Texas, I believe. Didn't they play Texas already? No, TCU and Texas have not played yet. That's going to be a very interesting game. They beat them. They played K-State. They've beat them. They played Oklahoma State. They've beat them. Texas is the only one remaining that I don't know if Texas can can keep up with TCU with with Ewers' accuracy issues. I don't know. (laughs) I doubt that becomes a major problem. Major problem. And because TCU plays – Better defense than what they play defense in spurts. Let's, let's yeah. just play that. Yeah. Their they second half defense. defense is the best in the country. Right. They play defense in spurts. So, guys, fill me in on this game. Oklahoma State versus K State. What say you? All you Owens. I like Oklahoma State in this game, man. I think uh as much as I hate to say it, man, Spencer Sanders, I think I'm It'll be a little bit too much for uh, Kansas State. The guy is Mr. Do-It-All for the Pokes, man. Um, and like I said, that that their defensive front line, man, they're impressive, you know. I think they got the best D-line in the Big, in the big 12. Um, they can get pressure on the quarterback. Um, what will uh, Vaughn do in this game? Owens, you know? this is in Manhattan, by the way. I know. I see that. Um, the little I still, apple. I still, I still got Oklahoma State winning this game. I think it's going to be a good close game, but I think they're going to pull it out, you know, maybe seven to ten points. 
It strikes me this game is only a one point favorite for Oklahoma State. Yeah, I see that. that. I I was I was thinking a little bit more than that. So I'm trying to think of like what what is Vegas looking at that I am not seeing here. But I, I never I never say what does Vegas know that I don't know. It's more of just like what like it, it's not like they have secret information. They mostly have the same information that I do. It's just what do they see that I don't? And I'm trying to I'm trying to find a way to get Kansas State here. Probably means that we're baking in the fact that Adrian Martinez returns this week. I would not imagine Will Howard led Kansas State team would be a one point dog to Oklahoma State even at home. Um. Again, the only thing I can really think of is Spencer Sanders. Again, Spencer Sanders, like, he got hobbled against CCU, but he looked pretty good against Texas last week. He didn't have the best completion percentage in the world. Uh, again, everything's telling me take Oklahoma State here, but I'm 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 probably going to dive deeper into this game later and try to figure out what's going on here. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe, maybe it's because it's in Manhattan. That's usually that usually buys you about three points in a in a spread. So that like if if this game was in um, if this game was in Stillwater, you're probably looking at Oklahoma State minus four. Yeah, well, K State's a tough team, man. Oh yeah, they're, I mean they're 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 very disciplined. They're 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 well coached. Um, they just don't do a lot of messing up. Mm-hmm. And if Adrian Martinez is playing the type of football that he's been playing all year, that's probably the reason for this spread. Yeah. Because Spencer Sanders is probably, according to what has happened all year long, he's probably quicker to turn the ball over than Adrian Martinez. Because I don't think Colin Klein, the offensive coordinator at K-State, puts him in very many positions to turn the ball over at a high rate. Mm-hmm. That being Adrian Martinez. And so I think that this, again, it being in Manhattan, I think that has a lot to do with the spread being one or one and a half. I see one and a half right there. I think that has a lot to do with that. And then what's the what's the injury status on Dominique Richardson? Uh, all I know is that he uh, exited the game and went to the locker room uh, late in that game. Haven't he heard didn't anything. Return, right? He didn't return. He did not, no. he did not return. So right. hope, hopefully he's all right. He had a he actually had a really terrible day uh, in terms yeah. of efficiency. He had like I think it was like ten carries for no 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 it was uh, like eighteen carries for twenty four yards or something like that. He he was awful on the day. He um, got in the end zone, but, but he got but he got the three touchdowns. And that's yeah. all you need in CFF. Yeah. Thirteen for twenty four. Thirteen for twenty four. Thirteen for twenty four. Yeah. Horrible. Horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> it was but horrible. the three touchdowns saved somebody's butt somewhere. Oh, it saved mine. It saved mine. <laughs> <laughs> there you Guilty. have it. Yeah. Right there. Saved Jared's butt, my man JP. Owens, what's up with this Cincinnati UCF game? UCF just got drummed by East Carolina. I was watching that game because I had John Rice Plumley <laughs> in one of my starting lineups, and he did not look good at all. What you think, man? You like this game? I think it'd be interesting, man. This is probably one of the few because there's not very many good games that's coming on this weekend. There's a lot of teams that's off this weekend, so mm-hmm. this is uh, one of the few good ones that. Uh, that's going to be on, man, uh, this weekend. I think, uh, you know, of course I got Cincinnati winning this game. Uh, UCF, like you said, just got the brakes beat off of them. <laughs> you see you. Uh, it was shocking, man. 40, 40, uh, 34 to 13. Oh, my gosh, man. But uh, Cincinnati is rolling right now. Um, I think it'll be a little bit, maybe our first half competitive, maybe three-quarter competitive game, but I mean, this is just one of the one of the few games, man, out of the bunch, man, that I could just kind of like say, uh, you know, kind of catch my eye, you know, something to watch. All right, man. I think it's going to be a good game too. Uh, moving right along, we've got um, Oklahoma and Iowa State, and 
<laughs> Owens is shaking his head no. <laughs> but Jared, JP, my man, you want to talk about this game? I'm going back to the most entertaining conference in the country right now. I got to go to the you Big 12. You want to talk about Hunter for- Deckers and Xavier. Uh, <laughs> Xavier Hutchinson, one of the best Hutchinson wide receivers in the country and- right now. Yep. Wow. So I am I, – I am – I have chosen Iowa State as my Big 12 team. Uh, they're the team that I root for in the Big 12 every year. I had a friend who is a longtime Iowa State fan. He passed away this past year. So basically kind of solidified my support for them. But, man, it's been a struggle the last couple of weeks. Uh, they have lost three one-possession games in a row. They have kept things low scoring. Um, they're going up against an Oklahoma team that has been real hot and cold this year. Now, they got Dylan Gabriel, which is the most important thing <laughs> by Man. far for the Sooners. Tell us so about it. <laughs> I will, I, I'm, I'm interested to see this game. This is another game where the spread is only one and a half points towards Oklahoma here. We'll definitely see. Again, this is a, again, Iowa State is a team that when they need to, it seems like they, they can find the points. Hunter Deckers, uh, Jairo Brock, Xavier Hutchison, uh, Jalen Noel has started to come along for them as well. I'm excited to see what they can do against Oklahoma this week. This is a this will be a very interesting game this weekend. Owens, you don't look convinced. <laughs> um, I've I've seen enough. He said he's seen enough before he froze up. There you go. You've seen enough of what? Uh, I've I've seen enough. I've seen enough. I, I, I've seen enough of the struggle, man. That. <laughs> And and uh, the the, the non tackling ability, the the uh, misassignments, you know, it's just it's just they're in shambles. And I think you know, I go ahead and talk is, about talk about the nine yard cushion coverage on second and one. Yeah, man, you can't. <laughs> You can't rush. You have you hold on. You got three man linemen. Yeah, rush. You rushing three, and you got your, your DBs is, is nine yards off the receiver, and, and they need one yard. Preach. Like <laughs> it don't add up. Like you're not gonna get the pressure. You're not gonna. I mean, it's like it don't add up. You just throw it to the receiver right here, and he's gonna get eight nine. Anyways, man. Yeah, you're going to drag it, you for another three yards. And then mm-hmm. you got you got a man crossing crossing the uh, midfield. Uh, I mean, not midfield, but crossing, you know, a slant going across the middle of the field. And you got the corner and the safety going with him. But you forget about the other dude over yeah, here right. wide open by himself, wide open, and nobody within 15 yards of him. You see that almost every game. It's like, bruh, okay. And it ain't just anybody. It's state number one wide receiver that's wide open. How can you leave him out of all the receivers on the team? You leave the main guy wide open. It's so it sounds, it sounds like you guys uh, think that Iowa State's going to pull this off this weekend. Iowa State going to beat Oklahoma this weekend, man. I'm just telling you, bro. It, it, it's at Iowa State. Weather for this game, 41 degrees expected for this game. In Ames. It's in Ames. So I'm just telling you, man. I don't know what to expect, really. I don't know what to expect. OU has been Dr. Jekyll and, and Mr. Hyde this year <laughs> on defense. So that's that. Yeah. That's it for the recap and preview. We'll get into our cff content of the show right here where we start and sit we're going to start and sit one quarterback one running back one wide receiver and one tight end that's how we do it here on the ankle biters podcast and only you always kick us off with the quarterback who are you sir starting that quarterback of course this is non-obvious Starts and uh, sit. You can sit anybody you want, but non-obvious starts. Of course, we know to start C.J. Stroud and Caleb Williams and Bryce Young. But but for you guys who are in a pinch and are in a pickle, and maybe you're in a two quarterback league or a three quarterback league, which is becoming in CFF because 130 plus teams. Why would you want all of that CFF goodness just riding the bench? Uh, on the waiver wire, 
you want to get a piece of that. And so you want to expand your league and you want to expand your rosters and therefore you're starting lineups so that you can have one, not, not just one, but two quarterbacks and maybe even three quarterbacks as some leagues I've seen. So we're going to give you some deeper options in some leagues. Again, this week is a heavy, heavy bye week. And so Owens, I said this is not obvious, but Owens just has to be Owens. <laughs> I'm not sure won. mine's much better if I'm being real. <laughs> he's just going to give you what he's going to give you. That's my man, and I love him. That's my man, 100 grand. That's what I say at the beginning. But Owens, come on, man, which are not obvious. Starting and I'm going to tell you why it's not obvious. If you look at the, the, the roster, roster uh, own ownership of him, 61%. Max W. Only 61% own, bro. It's not obvious. I'm starting up against West Virginia, the 102nd ranked passing defense in the country. Max Dugan is doing his thing out there at TCU. Um, just just uh, did his thing against Kansas State. He's on a roll right now, man. He's hot, bro. I don't understand why he's it's only 61% owned. But listen, man, there's very few games um, played this week. It's limited. He's still on the waiver wire. Snatch him up. Feel free to start him against West Virginia. All right. JP. All right. And my very non-obvious quarterback start here. Uh, Going to go quarterback Malik Cunningham out of Louisville. Been on a little bit of a ri- uh, rough streak here last couple of weeks uh, for the Cardinals. He hit single digits one game. Uh, only uh, only threw for two touchdowns in the game against um, Pittsburgh last week. Struggle bus there. He's going up against Wake Forest this week. Over under in this game of 62 and a half. Spread only five and a half points. Vegas at least expects Louisville to get back on track and put up some points this week. And you know for a fact almost every one of those is going to come through Mr. Cunningham. So don't don't be scared this week. Put Millie Cunningham back in your lineups this week. All right. Good deal. I'm going to go with TJ McMahon. He came out this week. Had a come out party. Coming out party against Louisiana Tech Bulldogs there. 208 passing yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 67 rushing yards, and a touchdown. He gets a similar defense this week in Charlotte. Charlotte loves to give up points. They like it. It is their pastime. So I'm starting TJ McMahon Rice quarterback this week. Owens, you got a running back. Going down to Old Dominion, man, with Blake Watson versus Georgia State, 126th run defense in the country. Blake Watson has got it going, man, the last three games. Uh, got four touchdowns on the last three games, or the last two games, actually. And uh, I think he's going to keep that ball rolling, that train rolling, man. All right, for my running back, I'll be starting Mr. Zazavian Valaday, running back out of Arizona State. Arizona State, not the greatest team in the world, but you know for a fact that probably if they're going to score points in the game, it's going to come through Mr. Valaday here, and they're only going up against Colorado, the, not one of, the worst rushing defense in the entire FBS. They have been giving up points galore to star running backs all year, except for Mr. Jaden Ott out of California. That was a sucky, sucky week there. But Valaday should have a great day here. So absolutely start him with confidence. I agree. Man, I was shocked at the Ott's performance against Colorado. And I was watching that game. They were mm-hmm. playing out of their mind. I don't know if it was the insertion of the new interim coach. Sometimes teams do that. Oh, yeah. When a coach gets fired, Sometimes the change fires up the team and they play out of their mind. I think that was the situation there. It just so happened to be on the week where I thought Ott was just going to rip them a new one and he did everything but that. Guys, I'm going to go with Charles McClellan. I did it last week and I'm going to do it again this week because he's playing UCF this week. I understand that UCF has a decent defense. But Keaton Mitchell just had a pretty decent game, a pretty good game against oh, yeah. the Knights. 
pretty good game. I'm going to go with Charles McClellan because he's on a roll right now. But dude, I mean, last game, 16 carries, 129 and a touchdown against SMU. Game before that, 21 carries, 179 and two touchdowns. I think he has proven himself. I know Corey Kiner is there looming, but I think the role that he's on and, and the momentum that he's riding right now, I think they ride him in this game against the uh, Central Florida Knights. I'm going to take Charles McClellan in this game against UCF Owens, who you got catching the ball. I'm rolling with uh, Trey Harris, man, out there at uh, Louisiana Tech. This guy is only 24% rostered, but he is lighting up, man. He has at least eight targets, man, in the last five games. He had 15 targets last week, eight catches for 92 yards and three touchdowns. He is facing Florida International 74th pass defense in the country. I'm stars. We talked about him earlier. Gotta go wide receiver Troy Franklin out of Oregon here, going up against California, one of the worst passing defenses in the country. He talked about the chemistry he and Bo Nix have been showing, talking about how many targets he's been getting per game over the last four games. He is a no-brainer start for me this week. Absolutely, guys. I'm gonna go with Colin Lacey, the number one guy for South Alabama. I like what he's been doing. I don't like what he did against Troy last week. But listen, Troy's a good defense. Mm -hmm. Troy's a good defense in that conference. They limit you with how they play defense. And he did have 10 targets in that game. He had seven catches for only 37 yards. Don't like that. But I do like the attention. I do like the consideration right there with 10 targets. He gets a much, much more lighter defense this week in Arkansas State who, again, they don't mind giving you points. They don't care about it. It's not a big deal to them. So it's not a big deal to me to start Colin Lacey. I'm going to start Colin Lacey this week at wide receiver. Oh, you got a tight end this week? Because you didn't have no smoke for the tight end last week. Oh, what you got there? I guess I'm going to roll with Ryan Jones from East Carolina against BYU. Uh guy man he's been getting the targets man he's been getting the catches um so especially in ppr leagues man he'll be a, a pretty good uh start at tight end position uh so i'm i'm, I'm liking ryan jones this week man uh, according to this they're saying that byu is 130th i don't know if that's against tight ends or passing but um it's like track yeah, yeah. That's against the tight ends. That's against tight ends. Tight ends. Yeah, so that's, yeah. That's a pretty good, pretty good play, man. There, he's only forty nine percent on roster too. So, I like Ryan Jones this week. I called this man to be started last week, so I'm just gonna keep dipping into this well until he burns me. And I'm gonna go tight end Brevin Span Ford, the tight end out of Minnesota, currently the leading receiver for the Golden Gophers. Uh, especially with the Chris Oppen Bell out now. He had a great week against Penn State last week. He's got a pretty good matchup here in Rutgers this week. I would start him with confidence again this week. And he's a big dude, too, man. We big boy. We kind of touched on him before we came on. He's a big old man. I mean, yes, he's a man's man right there. I'm going to go with Trayton uh, Welch, tight end for Wyoming. Um... This is the tight end spot. So, if you're not starting Michael Mayer and um, Dalton Kincaid, and <laughs> I, don't, I mean, just to name a couple, you're kind of scrambling there for tight end, which is why we're probably giving you names that you've never heard of, <laughs> especially in deep leagues. So, Trayton Welch. If you're in a deep league, you got to consider this guy. Oh, yeah. I would. I'm in a league. I mean, the deepest league that I'm in is, I think, it's 22 players. And I may consider him this week because it's a deep league. And tight ends are hard to come by. Yep. Phenomenal tight ends that, that give you a great, consistent CFF play, they're hard to come by. So this dude, I'm going to heavily consider this week. And that's it for our starters.
the flip side. What's up, world? This is Farnsworth here with the Ankle Biters Podcast. Listen, we're still continuing special guest month, as you can see, with Jared Palmgren, host of Chasing the Natty Podcast. Uh, this was a wonderful episode, so much so, again, for the second week in a row, we had to cut this thing in two. So you get two episodes this week yet again. Hope you enjoy them both. Peace.